Blog Talk Radio. covering the seven churches of Revelation. We are going to be determining just exactly who and what you are. Where did you come from? Are the seven churches of Revelation like everybody purports to be seven church ages? If that is true, you'd expect to find in the very first reference to the very first church mentioned references to time, correct? I mean, surely the Lord your God would provide you with a hint so you would eventually get a clue. I've scoured those seven verses for well over four decades. I can't seem to find second, minute, hour, Afternoon, day, week, month, year, not there. There's no reference to time. That means it must be something else entirely different. You might want to crack your Bibles open and read the opening verses to Exodus chapter 1, actually. Because that is how Brian and I is going to proceed with these matters, we're going to utilize an exodusian exegesis. And I'll tell you why. There is no chapter of the Bible that does otherwise. Not one. Not Isaiah, not the Psalms, not Jeremiah. They all refer you back to the Exodus every single time. With that in mind. Clinton is not going to be able to join us for the End Time Tribune this coming Saturday. So Brian and I will be doing another WI2C radio then. And speaking of Clinton, I had some chats today while I was trying to work. So it was kind of off and on. I was kind of busy, and in the middle of it, there was something pertinent, and... That was the time that I was going to have to swap out my rollers, so I told him that I would call him, so I spoke with him briefly. And he took a hold of just one little tidbit 
I mentioned on the last broadcast. He expanded upon it. So I decided to put something else into his hands of far greater significance. You might want to look for Clinton to do something on that. Because, ladies and gentlemen, why does everybody want to listen to the final bell? Why is that? The final buzzer. No, ladies and gentlemen, if that be the case, well, you're listening in the wrong direction because that's not what we're waiting for. We're waiting for somebody to pull the trigger on the start gun. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of WITC Radio. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Boy, it seems like uh, that we've had some frustrations uh, with the broadcast this week. I scheduled this show for yesterday. Um, I guess I was just excited to do it, uh, but that wasn't Thursday. I plainly made it clear to everybody we were going to do this on Thursday. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, this will be a permanent broadcast on Thursday nights, as far as Brian and I are concerned, unless the Lord says otherwise and we get busy doing other things. Uh, But, like I said in the beginning of the broadcast, we're also going to do one this Saturday. Uh, Due to popular demand, we put out um, a post. Everybody voted for WI2C Radio, so that's what we're going to continue with this Saturday, just so you all know that. Well, Brian, what's your opening comments about these seven churches? What's your thoughts on it, and what's your stance on them in comparison to what everybody else says? I would have to say that I'm not too much of a different ballpark than you're at here. Um, You know, the infamous uh, seven church ages is one I've heard for ever on end. Um, Everybody wants to go to the infamous, we're in the age of Laodicea right now, and all of that, yet when you clearly sit back and take a look at those seven churches in context, you can see each and every one of those things happening as we speak. It does not even take much imagination just to step back, look, and go, oh, this is easy. I see this here, 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 and here. So, you know, it's, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer, but nonetheless, you know, I guess I've always tended to look at things differently than what the uh, the infamous shepherds want to try to lead people to think, so... Yeah, and and it, Brian, it just blows you away. Um, and I was just speaking with this about my wife uh, just just minutes ago, um, probably about forty minutes ago. And it is amazing to me that uh, we just sat down and had a little conversation about the first uh, church there, and uh, it's so blatantly obvious. Uh, that it's targeting specific individuals. And the only thing that is eternal about this are those seven angels, of course, ladies and gentlemen, because, well, that's what the Lord Jesus said, that these seven angels would is over, <laughs> uh, and that's kind of the way he put it, is over those seven churches. So, By default, you naturally want to say to yourself, I'm one of those seven churches. There must be seven different types of individuals, and you're a part of of the the body vast as one of those particular members. And you can even utilize uh, this thought uh, with not only psychology, but physiology, the whole nine yards. Uh, Everybody knows that there's seven folds to just about everything. But yet they continually push and push and push. No, these are seven different church ages, really. Once you do that, then you begin to realize when you go to all their websites, nobody wants to touch this. They don't even talk about this. They start at the 
at the seal, right, Brian? They just skip the first three chapters altogether. I mean, literally just skip them. And I never quite got that. Did you have have you ever understood why they do that? Not really, but you know, I guess that's kind of how we get ourselves into states of confusion if we kind of skip chapters previous. You know, it always um it's always baffled me, and I mean, this this applies to the Bible completely from page one all the way to the end, folks. Do you go out and buy either your favorite nonfiction book or fiction book and suddenly open it up to the middle of the book or the end of the book and suddenly you think you know the story? It doesn't really work that way, and I don't see how that's any different than the book of Revelation. Or any other book in the Bible, really. Uh You know, it amazes me. Let's just let's get this shindig started, ladies and gentlemen. Who are you and where did you come from? That's a pretty easy question. Now, this is the whole purpose why Romans the first chapter was kind of written. I mean, this is why verse two says which he had promised prophets in the Holy Scriptures goes on to this diatribe, finally leading you to verse of that infamous verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. Ladies and gentlemen, it amazes me that everybody don't know that you came from one group of 70. That's where you came from. Let's go to Exodus, the first chapter, where just because they happen to be in order first in this verse, first the Jew, where did all Jews come from? Well, utilizing an exodusian exegesis is really the only place you can go. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel, which came unto Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Iscar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, God, Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. For Joseph was in Egypt already. If you're a Jew, that's where you came from. You have no choice about that. Now, what if you're a Gentile? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the same exact thing. You've got to know where the event horizon for your belief was. Let me read it to you. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them two and two before his face and place, whither he himself would come. Okay. Do you not believe that, or is this like a little golden book to you? Let me read that one more time just to make sure you understand exactly what he said, and I'll switch it up. I'll read it in the New American Standard Bible this time. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place 
where he himself was going to come. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, yes. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are not a Jew, this is your event horizon right here. Don't you realize that's what he said. That's why it's worded this particular way in the Greek, and you can play with the translation a little bit, but you really can't get around the aditoregia. You can't do it. It says it in such a way that he lets you know that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ at any point in time could go anywhere he wants to, and in your time, if you are... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, don't you understand this? If the gospel was ever preached in New York City and people got saved there in New York City, guess what? They came from the 70s. Because just guess how Jesus got there. Guess how his name got there. Let me read it to you one more time. Um, Let's just do Thompson's translation this time. (coughs) Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I've just been fighting a cold forever. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. And sent them two and two before him to every city and village, whether he himself would soon go. That's it, lock, stock, and barrel. You come from one of those two seventies. And let's just let that sink in for a minute, what I'm saying. Let's think about this utilizing just just the book of Revelation. Okay, so these seven churches come from 70. What's that mean? <laughs> that means there's seven sets of ten, right? You've heard that before in the book of Revelation, right? That's right, you have. How many heads and how many horns? Ah, oh, yeah. He's going to use this time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. He's going to do what he always does. Samuel, first I can't. All of them, ladies and gentlemen, this is what he always does. He will set up a premise, and he expects you to know it later. He's always expecting you to know it. But if somebody has you confused, thinking that these seven churches are completely erythrial, they're just church ages, even though that's nowhere remotely close, Revelation chapter 2, or 3, or 4, or 5, or 6. And by the way, let's bring up some other points. You take note that prophetically, every book in the Bible always prophetically says that you're in Egypt right now. And you need to be relocated from Egypt. Did you catch what was said? Where was Joseph there in Exodus Chapter 1? Oh, yes. But here in Luke, the very first verse, he doesn't mention Egypt. Here, he says every single place, whether he would go. And, of course, in the New Testament, every point of origin, ah, yes, is always a city. So, He's setting you up for that, too, expecting you to know it. That's why in Revelation he figuratively calls it Egypt and Sodom. 
okay? Sodom was a city. Egypt was a country. He's expecting you to know that, to, to realize what he's doing. Because that's, well, that's what he always does. <laughs> this is why the Lord Jesus Christ, his main method of teaching was through the rituals of Asaph. That's his number one thing he did. You call them parables. That's why. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you know all the parables and you know them by heart, okay, and you get to the book of Revelation, you think that the seven churches are seven church ages, I only have one thing to question you about. Who convinced you of that? I mean, if you are a student of the parables, well, by default, you should know what was quoted from when Jesus, why Jesus was teaching in parables. You should at least know what chapter that comes from because that is pretty important. But like I said, there's no real reason to debate this. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 um, no reference to any ages of any kind, and that's absolutely ridiculous because, well, these churches actually existed in time, on the timeline, in a place, the land of the midst of the rivers. It's where they all were. All of them. So with that in mind, we're going to start reading these churches, and you need to start looking for – look, let's do this. We're going to read these first seven verses. We're just going to – I'm just going to ask you some questions that I want you to think about. I think Brian will read it. I think I've already done quite a lot of reading, but as he reads this about the first church, remember what you learned in elementary school. Who, what, where, when, why? Who, what, where, when, why? Who, what, where, when, why? So, Brian, you want to read about the first church? Or are you going to make me do it? I guess I can. Yep, why not? Easy enough. Okay. All right, Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write... The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and that you have put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake. And have not grown weary. But I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen. And repent. And do the deeds. You did it first. Or else I am coming to you. And will remove your lampstand out of its place. Unless you repent. Yet this you do have. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Which I also hate. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, 
which is in the paradise of God. Ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's think about something for just a minute. What is the kind of person he had to be addressing here? <laughs> kind of person in your church. doesn't matter what the church is. When I say that, something should naturally come to your attention. Brian, who's supposed to take care of the flock and protect against um, evil men? Well, is it essentially the pastor or technically speaking, I'd say you could even go as far as saying the shepherd. That's right. The elected officials, ladies and gentlemen, you didn't catch that? He cannot be addressing someone that's sitting in the pew that holds no position in the congregation. You didn't see that. You know, this is just an easy thing to bring up. What's the book of Ephesians about? Remember? <laughs> it's all about the interworkings of how a congregation should run, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it's about. <laughs> and people are stunned when I say that to their face. They're like, well, yeah, he obviously can't be talking to people that are part of the flock because those people that sit in the pews, they don't test those um, who are uh, calling themselves apostles and are not. They don't protect the sheep. They are the sheep. Duh. So right out of the gate, um, if you're in the ministry, this is you. This is you right here. Secretary, uh, um, the board members, however your local church plays its game. Any official elected uh, in that church body that's set up over the sheep, that's you. Now, Brian and I have talked about, um, you know, many people like to focus. On one word here. We're going to talk about that one word. Brian, what say you about the Nicolaitans? What, what's your thoughts on that, Brian? Well, I've always kept it straight and simple. I, I tend to rephrase that as crusaders. And we have – that's very prominent in this day and age. And not to even mention on top of it, we can go backwards – and who call themselves apostles and are not. Well, we have that same movement tied up with this crusader movement, where, for instance, the uh, New Apostolic Reformation, as they would call it, N-A-R, um, which Nicolaitan, it's a crusader. That's flat out what it is. And folks, you've heard me gripe about them time and time again. Dominionism, 
Dominionist theology. Um, you know, we've got all of the uh, intermixing between politics and the church. It's all one and the same thing, folks. And Brian, what does that word mean? Anybody? Everybody's so quick to say stuff. Um, no, 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 really. What what does it mean? Ladies and gentlemen, do you know? I mean, here, let me read the Strong's. It says, G3531, um, it comes from G3532, uh, Nicholas, okay, well, what does that come from, well, this says it comes from uh, G3534 and G2932, I get a kick out of that, it's funny how i never seen what it really is in there. That's G3529. It's Nike. You all know what Nike is, right? means victory. Okay, you need to realize this. Who are you fighting with? I mean, Brian and I have our favorite ones. Um, you know, I got in really big trouble about it over the, uh, you know, the course of the past uh, few Episodes that we've done. Talked to Brian about it in private. And, uh, you know, he was quick to put me in my place. I'm not allowed to uh, talk about Nibirian flat earth rapturist. I'm not allowed to go to their websites. I'm not allowed to. This is the key, ladies and gentlemen. The reason why he used the word that he used was because it means victory. It is the perfect definition and is synonymous with crusader. Now, everybody knows that um, – well, let's talk about um, the flat earthers. I could really quickly – go and fight and hammer the daylights out of them using physics. But the second that I'm on a team, I'm a Nicolaitan. Ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to win. Not ever. Not any argument. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is the only one that wins. You've been told this a billion times over in a billion different ways. Uh, this is the reason why you're not supposed to revenge. Remember? So it doesn't matter what you're, <laughs> what you're arguing about or what you're fighting for. If you're fighting, you're wrong. And he says that in a million different ways. Now, just take note. Let's say that um, you could associate this with Nicodemus. Mm 
ladies and gentlemen, that would not be a very wise thing to do. Let's talk about, well, maybe you could say that these had something to do with Nicholas. Really? You actually think that... Let me ask you this. Do you know where Nicholas is mentioned in the Scripture? And this is what people actually run around and say. Ladies and gentlemen. We go to Acts chapter 6, of course. The statement found approval with the whole congregation... And they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and of Holy Spirit, and Philip, Proctorus, Nacar, Tamanon, Parmathius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And yet they really will say that, well, the Nicolaitans must have been, uh, uh, you know, this Nicholas guy, he goes rogue. He becomes an apostate apostle and starts his, are you insane? Now, most of you would have the wherewithal not to speak badly of Nicodemus. But really? I mean, don't you know this? God wrote this, ladies and gentlemen. So, God just said that he was one of these chosen to head things up. And you're going to start Smearing his reputation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, only a crusader would do that. Only a Nicolaitan would do that, actually. We could literally tear these seven verses apart and just come at this. Eight ways to Sunday. Really could. But if it never occurred to you that this church here had to have been addressing the eldership in the church I don't think you've been listening to the Lord your God you've been listening to what other people had to say I mean I proved emphatically that this first church this first seven verses it has to be addressing someone that was in the position to protect the flock, the congregation. They have you all believing that this is like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know what they say because I don't care, but I don't look at what they say. But um, I don't know, I'm sure they say that this church represents the first 500 years or something like that. Some nonsense. The last thing they wanted you to do was Look at the words involved. They absolutely did not want you to do that. Because if you would have known what Nicolaitans come from in the Greek, because you were looking at the Greek, it all makes sense to you. But you're never going to get that if you never read it in the Bible, God's Holy Word, if you only listen to their teachings. They call them teachings now. Or listen to their sermons. You're never going to know if you never look at it. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows that the sheep don't test anybody in the congregation. So, 
questions are worded in such a way that everybody knows this. He's not talking about those who don't crusade. He's only talking about the Nicolaitans themselves. And he goes right out to make sure that you know, oh, they're not a part of your church. They're part of the church of Satan. Here, of course, the exact wording is synagogue. Brian, uh, further thoughts you've collected on this particular church? Well, I mean, there's another statement in here, too, that at first may seem a little peculiar. But, uh, you know, in context of Luke 10, and then I found it interesting the other day that you um, misspoke when you talked to me about that and said Luke 11. So I decided to take a look at Luke 11 anyways today. And when you put the two together, it kind of really begins to amplify it. But nonetheless, uh, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. You know, we, the first aspect of this is quite simple. Love thy Lord, thy God, with all thy heart, soul, mind. But something comes up next. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And as you see, then the person decides to question, well, who is my neighbor? And then we go into the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think that's kind of important in context, especially of things we see happening nowadays. Concerning, okay, does your church have a place to give out food, say clothes, help the poor when they come in, or do they chase them out with a broom? I've seen... The latter, myself. So I would say that's kind of an important question and maybe an important way to look at it. Amen. You know, let's talk about this, Brian. You know, ladies and gentlemen, what does a preacher do on his very first Sunday? In the Ooh, that stung, didn't it? Of course it did. It's common knowledge. Oh my goodness. What does the what does a congressman do his first session? Oh, for Pete's sakes. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a janitor. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when a pastor is first elected, gets up in the pulpit. His first day he don't start crusading, does he? Oh, no, 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 no. He doesn't want that to be his reputation, does he? Now, we can historically prove this, um, I'm sorry, but 100% of the time, we can prove this. Any newly elected official in the church body, it is their first premise and primer to do exactly, well, what... Brian just described. Ah, yes, the other things don't start in till later. I mean, this is common knowledge, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, even a janitor, as his title, and I have watched this many times, the first time the janitor comes into the sanctuary, oh my goodness. They always have an era of 
reverence about them. I have actually watched him take the Windex. Do e- <laughs> I've seen him take Murphy's oil soap to the offering plate. They had no idea while I was there watching them, taking note. My goodness, you could have ate off the floor. Any pew you could have ate off of. But ah, yes. Then the grapes begin to ferment, don't they? So that's exactly what Brian just described, (laughs) actually. You know... What's a list of preachers that have been publicly declared to be false teachers? You might want to check your history because when you go back when they first started, oh, they weren't doing those things. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to explain that to you. You know that. You know how it feels your first week on the job, right? Any job. And yet somebody has had you convinced. Now, let me speak particularly to those that have been studying Bible prophecy for 20 years. They've had you convinced that this is a church age for 20 years. When you yourself knows exactly what it's like when you enter into an official position the first time. In that official capacity, there were those in that organization, whatever it was, that was in charge of making sure all the laws were followed, right? All the rules and regulations were met. Everybody else followed them, but there were those that had been elected to enforce them, correct? It's obvious that's who he's addressing here in the first seven verses of Revelation chapter 2. And if somebody's got you convinced of something else, I, I really do question how, 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 how they convinced you of that, how they tricked you. Because <laughs> they did, they tricked you. Now just so you know, The Lord my God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 100% of the time, if he's wanting you to have a hint or a clue about seculum of time, he he always says something about time in the very verses. And yet, uh, let me just uh, precursory scan this, Church of Ephesus. No. No day. No minute, not even a prefix, nothing. No, there is no reference to this being a seculum of time. So everything that come out of Brian's mouth was exactly what you would have naturally assumed if you would have actually read the Bible, God's holy word, Instead of a commentary about it. Brian, do you agree or disagree? 
Oh, I agree. You know, and, uh, you know, I could take this and wrap this around just to add on to what I brought up earlier here, folks, because, okay, all of a sudden, lo and behold, if you have love your neighbor as thyself in the mix here, well, when you don't love your neighbor, what do you end up doing? Well, you start coming against, for instance, uh, let's see, what are they doing in this day and age? Going against the Muslims in America, going against the Mexicans, going against everybody that is from another nation. Um, let's see, going against the gays. What else do we have? Uh-oh. Therefore, in this, you become what? You become a Nicolaitan. And, you know, I don't know if this was stated or not, but when you look at that simple definition, once it's broken down, destruction of the people, and then they will go on and give you some nonsense about this being uh, those who are holding to the error of Balaam. And let's see what else here. They tried to tie that into the the infamous uh, prophetess Jezebel mentioned here later. But that, folks, that's not what it's saying at all. These things are split up. This definition is it's a joke. Now, as far as destruction of the people, that's right on the mark. But these other two things they try to tie in, they're by themselves. And uh, let me add one other little tidbit on the end of this. You know, Matthew, you brought up these are in the midst of the rivers. I find it interesting how the end of this uh, stanza ends with, uh, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Yes. Yes, you you find. Why does that disturb you that there'd be a reference there? There should be. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not lying to you. Time is cyclical, and if he begins this whole diatribe with something in the past, Ephesus was a real city. I'm not lying to you. It was real. Was in a real location, in a real time. On the other end of that cycle, Brian has gone to great lengths to talk about this. So why don't you expand on those thoughts, Brian? Because <laughs> you cannot grab a hold of what you just said if you just have this erythral thought in your head that this must be the first 500 years of the church age. Okay, so... Why do you think he mentioned Paradiso right there, Brian? Why do you think he would do that? Uh, it goes into a whole lot. Uh, something I wanted to point out. You brought up cyclical. Did you happen to find that image we came across? Because I knew it existed. We just had to find it. Where it shows how the seven churches are actually in a circle. No, I didn't. Well, actually, that's not obtainable because I spilt coffee on that. Nah, that's right. It was on that other laptop. I don't know if I downloaded that one yeah, or not. I may have, but they're supposed to be set. Folks, that's the way they really set on the map. And when you can see it with your own eyes, it's, uh, it says everything. Yeah, it, it, you can you can look at it because it's real. It's not erythral. It's not a little golden book. 
consider he's threat his threat here because he does threaten the leaders here with a position, of course. He literally comes out and says, uh, I will fire you. That's that's literally what he says. Okay? Let's check ourselves. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds that you did at first or else I am coming and will remove your lapstand out of its place unless you repent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he just told you what the lampstand was in the very first chapter. He was very plain with himself. He says, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. He's going to remove you from being over the ecclesia. You didn't realize that. He's saying he's going to fire you. Now, on the other side of the equation... Why would he say – why would the other side of that equation be to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God? Ooh, you didn't catch it, did you? So the threat is he's going to remove you from one place. The promise is that you will be in a particular place on the other side of this. You didn't catch that, ladies and gentlemen? Of course, because you were thinking that this was a little golden book representation of the first church age. When the Greek is very very exciting, very awesome to me. It's wonderful, everything that he says here. And ladies and gentlemen, um, you need to think about that. You need to think about why he would promise to this particular group, Ecclesia, okay, the leaders, the elected leaders, officials of the church body, the Ecclesia, wherever it is, it doesn't matter what denomination or whatever it is. Don't you realize what he's saying? Because he's targeting only those that test and protect against false doctrine they're going to be able to eat in the paradise of God. Now, put that in our back pocket. So everybody's going to eat in the paradise of God? Yes, no, maybe so? Anybody? No? I mean, to me, I mean, that's something to be thought about, right, Brian? I mean, so everybody is promised to go to the paradise of God, Brian, or no? Well, I'd have to say it applies to this uh, specific stanza and church, so. Well, of course. So it would. Just that alone, ladies and gentlemen, should make you think to yourself, huh, where is this paradise mentioned elsewhere in Scripture? Because, you know, I mean, it's Matthew, it's in Mark. I mean, it's, uh, 
used quite a lot of places, actually. I mean, surely all of you know that it's twice in Matthew 24. I mean, surely all your shepherds have told you that, right? Um, but of course, ladies and gentlemen, I'm actually looking at the Bible God's Holy Word. I'm not looking at other things, and I know where that word is incorporated into other things. <laughs> no, really. I do. And you all should, too. Brian, any other thoughts about this particular church? Or shall we continue on <laughs> well, to the next one? Something to point out in context of the entire stanza as well as the meaning of the word ephesus. It simply breaks down to permitted. Well, Brian, that's what I've been saying for a half hour, buddy. Exactly. Now, well, I mean, I tried to do the best that I could and try to relate it to work. And I said, at this place of work, when you get a new job, there's those that enforce the law and those who follow the law that do the work, right? What I'm trying to get across, Brian, is that it was plain in its text. It had nothing to do with no church age. That was obvious. That he was targeting a particular group of people. He couldn't have been talking about everybody. I mean, okay, so, all right, let's, let's really think about this, ladies and gentlemen. So everybody that died in this first church age, they're, they're the ones that get to go to paradise, I take it, the Garden of God. So where's David, where's, you know, Jacob, Isaac, all the Christians that's died since then? Let's say your great-grandmother, for instance, if she was a Christian. She don't get to go to paradise. Now you're starting to have problems with that equation, right? This cannot be a church age. It can't be. I mean, there's no way that you could convince me personally this was a church age. That's ridiculous. I mean, if you could show me some type of proof in the Hebrew or the Greek, then I would, of course, follow that thought with you. But there's not. So I appreciate that as your final thought, Brian. That's pretty interesting. So let us move on with the next church. Um Knowing full well, it's not the second church age. That's not it at all. Brian, you want to uh, continue on with the second church? Yep. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right. The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. All right, Brian, you're you're you open this one up. I opened the last one up. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Well, first off and foremost, one of the things that stands out here is um, everybody noticed there's something missing because let's see, we go up to the one above the church above this. Um, yet this. I do have against you. It doesn't say that here, does it, folks? Secondly, what does this word Smyrna mean? Well, simply put, it's myrrh. And another little tidbit here. Well, what are we seeing in this day and age as we speak happening within the churches? Oh, yes. Those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Folks, not rocket science here. What is happening? We've got the Hebrew Roots Movement, for instance, and we could even take this a partial step into pointing at the infamous Christian Zionist Movement, or, well, the easiest ones are kind of like the evangelicals here in America that just for uh, push Trump into making the infamous declaration that just happened. That's right. I mean, it's pretty pretty evident. Um, he opens the diatribe with poverty. I mean, this is exactly how he starts out the Beatitudes, ladies and gentlemen. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the next time that's used in the New Testament, which I know right off the top of, the, of my head. Go and report to John what you hear and see. Blind receive sight, lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yeah, that's that Greek word. It sure is. When's the next time it's used? You're not going to like it. No, 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 you're not going to like it. I've talked about it many times. You all call him the rich young ruler. He stood up in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and said... Well, I followed the commandments all my life. All these things I have done since my youth. And what amazes me is that Christ didn't call him a liar. What happened that day, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Oh my goodness, I've seen this. How many churches, man? 
How many churches have I seen this? You know, the board members say good morning and have fellowship with everybody but the stragglers, don't they? If they're not dressed in a suit and tie, they won't even look those members in the eye. And that's who they're going to get rid of first. Time without count. Let's ask Brian, shall we? Let's just do it. Hey, Brian. Um, let me guess. Have you ever walked into a church with like an ACDC shirt on? Or maybe holes in your jeans? <laughs> I walked into church dressed as I'm dressed right now. I don't own fancy and clothes, people. For you? Oh, they did not like me. They did not like me at first, that's for darn sure. Later as time went on, after they got to know me, it was a little bit different, but I think that's kind of almost irrelevant because here's what they pull on you, folks. You, you know the infamous health, wealth, and prosperity gospel? Oh, here we come back again to things that are happening now as we speak. I have literally been told by multiple people that, well, you're – Lives must be under attack by Satan because you're poor or you're having these financial issues or your car has broken down or your wife has become sick. Yeah, folks, that's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. You see, they buy well, into the self-wealth and prosperity thing big time. Well, yeah, because they're going to throw you underneath the bus first. Don't you realize what he just did, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, my goodness. Are you so short of memory that you looked in the mirror and walked away and now you can't remember what you look like? First church was targeting one end of the ecclesia. The second church, he makes a circle. He goes to the other end. You don't see that? Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord Jesus Christ is warning the poor people in these churches that they're going to throw you under the bus. They're going to sacrifice you. Oh, my God. Do, do you know how many people in churches have walked up to me when I was actually on the side? They had no idea that I'd become friends with these people and was helping them. One uh, that really comes into my mind is... The day this happened, I took all my tools over to his house after he got off work uh, and changed one of the tie rods on the front end of his car. It was Wednesday. We went to church. That very night, a board member came up to me and said, well, I noticed that they were sitting behind you and that they had been talking to you. I think he's a drug dealer. You been to his house? Have you been to his house? Of course you haven't, you God-hater, because you love yourself. These very things in your own churches, haven't you, ladies and gentlemen? I've witnessed it. Oh, don't make me start naming denominations. Don't do it. 
because I'm going to hit your nail right on the head. So that's why he did this to the leadership, then to the lowest. That's what he just did if you didn't catch it. And you poor people out there that they do and, – and I'm sorry, but they are doing this behind your back. I know that you probably don't know it, but they are. You need to be aware that when the time comes, they are going to throw you under the bus. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, have you ever witnessed a real interrogation when people were really afraid they were going to be arrested? They start squealing like a rat. Who do you think they're going to squeal on? Not their peers. The preacher and the eldership do you think the preacher would ever, if a FEMA official came into that, because you realize they are getting funding from FEMA, a lot of these churches, right? So if the FEMA representative comes up to that pastor, do you think he's going to endanger his tithing base? Are you mad? Ladies and gentlemen, they're going to throw you under the bus. You need, to get, you need to get out of there. You don't belong there. They really don't want you there. Look, let me ask you this. Do you and your family, little small family that you got, do they always wind up making you work in the kitchen and you're the one that sets up the tables and chairs and you're the one that they ask to clean the gutters? Ladies and gentlemen, they're laughing at you behind your back. The only reason why you're there is so that you can serve them. And they'll even ask if you're if you have teenage children, they'll start asking, "Well, can they come and serve whenever we do the, you know, Valentine's Day banquet? Can can your kids come and serve?" They're going to throw you under the bus. They are not going to endanger their tithing base. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's pretty much sums things up. You know, we go back up to what I brought up earlier. Against those who have left your first love. I mean, folks, you didn't realize, you know, for instance, those homeless people walk in. You know, those ones that are in poverty and you know, at least here in America with what I've witnessed with my own eyes, like I said, they they go out of their way to make sure to get rid of those people. Um, they go and literally well, hide their wallets. And then we come back around to what Matthew brought up before. How hard is it for a rich person to enter into the kingdom. You know, folks, if the, these people are more concerned about a homeless man stealing their money as opposed to helping that homeless man, what does that tell you? And, and something else here. You know, I find it very interesting that not one 
I've looked through multiple cross-reference tools here just to see if anybody brought this up at all. Um, let's see here. Where is it? Why I'm looking right at this. Okay, in uh, verse 10. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison that you will be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. I don't see a single... Cross-reference, uh, be it Treasury of Scripture Knowledge, the built-in ones, nobody mentions Job here. Not one. And I kind of wonder why that is. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious, isn't it? Check all your cross-references. Is it anywhere close to the Church of Smyrna? Anywhere close? Is Job cross-referenced anywhere here, Bri? Not at all. Any of these references? <laughs> no. Well, Lord have mercy. And Lord I mean, mercy. folks, this is going to come up and amplify itself further. I'm going to point it out now. Keep this as a side note in your head. Um, folks, you do have churches obsessed with spiritual warfare right now in this day and age. They're convinced that Satan's out to get all of them on a continual basis. And yet, you're being told what God repeats time and time and time and time again. What does Satan do? He's the accuser of the brethren, going day and night and day and night before the throne. Seeking whom he may. Oh, that's right. He has to get permission to test you, doesn't he? put it in words for today, Brian. He's roaming around seeking whom he may throw under the bus. Yep. I mean, because that's the first thing they will bring up. I mean, a rich person, you know, can't be possessed. It has to be a poor person druggy, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure that they have to have some form of paraphernalia relating to ACDC in order to be possessed. Right? Right? I've heard that one before. Along those lines, not specific, but along those very lines, yes. Funny, in reference to the 10 days here, I mean, everybody should know that the people on the bottom of the totem pole, in reference to this very thing, of course, everybody knows them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, my goodness, you don't realize they were slave children? You, you didn't know that? I'm sorry. <laughs> you all thought they got all the best things to eat. Didn't you? No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. No. Uh-uh. Nope, wrong answer. You see, the leadership wanted all these group of people to eat all the finest things, yada, yada, yada. And Daniel was like, no, let's not do that. We'll eat our things. <laughs> I mean, does everybody forget what really happened? Who really went to the furnace? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were was Hebrew slaves. <laughs> and yet into the fiery furnace they went. So it just this blows me away that this is supposed to be the second church age. How did that work out for you guys? How did you I don't even see how you got that. I don't understand because you're supposed to see he's completing one end of the spectrum to the other because that's why he says the first and the last. Now, who was supposed to be dead? I'll tell you who was supposed to be dead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? No, really. I'm not lying to you. All right, let's 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 go to Daniel. All right, let's see what's happening here. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. The commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, uh, who hath appointed your food and drink. Okay. For why should I see your face looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Uh, then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence. And the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food. And deal with your servants according to what you see. I mean, did you all forget about that? Y'all just forgot that, I guess. And does everybody forget what the three Jewish children wound up looking like? No, you've all forgotten? Really? Okay, okay. We can do it. I can refresh your memory. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. And his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace. That's a strange number. I'm sorry. Don't let me interrupt God's word. Furnace seven times more than it was usually needed. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. These men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded, and he stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, well, 
Was it not three men we cast into the midst of fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look. What did he see? I see four men loosed and walking in the midst of fire without harm. But you'd forgotten all about parents from chapter 1, hadn't you? And that the furnace had been heated seven times. <laughs> and that uh, they were tested for what, what, what I'm, I'm sorry, what, what, yeah, ten days, right? Ten days. And you forgot what the official said all about losing his head to the king. I mean, thing that needed to be spoken was exactly spoken that way in the book of Revelation uh, to church number two, that being the message to Samarna. Brian, you agree? You disagree? Your thoughts on what I just said? Or, well, or, let me uh, let me put a cherry on top of that. I mean, what did we say? Previous Smyrna means myrrh. Okay, let's go back to Daniel one. I'll start here, at verse one, uh, chapter one, verse twenty, and it is for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the, what? Magi conjurers who were in all his realm. What are the Magi doing here? Myrrh? Ten times? Hmm. Yeah, that is a good question. Very good question. But, of course, it also comes up in Esther, chapter 2. <laughs> Underneath yep, the well, I mean, auspices. Well, take it even, uh, Merm, you can have it come up here as well in Genesis 37, verse 25. What is this concerning? Joseph. Then they sat down to eat a meal, and they raised their eyes, and look, and behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead. With their camels bearing aromatic gum, balm, and myrrh, on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Yeah, that's where we're at right now, Brian. Egypt. Just in case you know. Top of the hour. Are we ready for a break before we tackle the third church, or did you have more more thoughts about the second church? Let me take a quick look-see again here. I think we about covered this. I mean, the uh, the one thing I had on top of it, too, is uh, here starting in uh, verse 10, partway through, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He wasn't here to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Let me go back here quick. And, I mean, where where else do we have this? Um, 
Revelation 20, verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. What year? You're talking about primus resurrectorate. Now, verse 8, exactly. and when you start out, verse 8, when you start out to the church in Samarna, which I already said the first per- part, let me say the second. This is in reference to Prototokos Necros, their king, the firstborn from the dead. Yep. So now we're, in a, now we're in a different world, Brian. Now you're pushing the spirit. Now we're pushing the spirit, and he's done got me out there on the envelope. All right? You're sure this is talking about the second church age, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think you should have many problems with that exegesis when it comes to considering the text at hand. The text being Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. You've got major problems there, major. Let me check real quick. I would just peer into the Greek. No hour, no day. Let's see here, 10 days. We do have 10 days here. So we have our reference to time here. So, this being a church age, hmm. let's go back to the event horizon. Now, wait a minute. Brian, let me ask you an elementary question, okay? So, was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in Israel. All this happened in Israel, Daniel chapter 1? Babylon. Oh my goodness. So this happened after that tribulation of becoming exiles. Right? Yep. Now you've really now you've really got problems with your timeline if you're thinking this is a church age. I mean you you just hit the nail on the head because you could infer, infer he was referring to a church age that existed outside of a tribulatory instance, but you can't because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bebop around with King David. He didn't bebop around with Abraham. No, 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 no. He bebopped around with Nebuchadnezzar. of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. For for the love that all that is good, look it up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really was after the relocation from Israel. They were relocated to Babylon. I'm not lying to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not. Brian, am I lying? Nope. With that in mind, 
Ladies and gentlemen, let's take us a 11-minute break exactly. I don't know if I'll be in trouble for sharing this because Nate did a live Christmas request version with his wife. And I deleted it as soon as he had I, I downloaded it as soon as he had it up there, and then later I noticed he deleted it. I'm not sure why, but uh, hey, this is going to be good stuff, really good stuff from Nate. And this time he is joined by his wife. And um, I strongly suggest that if you're looking for stocking stuffers, just go to Nate's website. Go to the store, and you can download his CDs for just $3.99 a piece. He's got eight of them. You can buy them all, and that can be your Christmas gift to Nate and his wife. What would that hurt? Hmm, I wonder. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I my actions stem a lot from the elders of my church. They always told me this. Matthew, if you're not good for something, guess what that means? And I'd always stumble and stammer. Well, son, if you're not good for something, that means you're good for nothing. That means that's what you are. You're good for nothing. Amen? Amen. Reawaken Hymns, Christmas Live.
Good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. That is good stuff right there. Uh, Brian, wow. Uh, <laughs> how does time by go that fast, Brian? Um, just never ceases to amaze me. Um, how can we only have 17 minutes left in this broadcast? I, I'm i just stumped. Uh, well, I sort of uh, had a suspicion this uh, program was going to take more than one go, so I'm not really... Altogether too shocked. Well, I'm I'm glad you're not too shocked. Um, wow. Well, all right. Let's let's at least try to do the next church number three. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, do that, Bry. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> All right. Um, Message to Pergamum. And the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword, say this. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, Who was killed among you, where Satan dwells? But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teachings of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on that stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. Opening comments, Bry. Well, a few things here. Pergamum, get that out of the way, means height or elevation. Balak and Balaam. We've talked so many times about this, folks, in the past. And you're going to get the full meal deal on this in numbers because you get a little bit more understanding of what happened here. For instance, how did they end up eating things sacrificed to idols and committing acts of immorality? What was the teaching of Balaam? How was he able to, because he tried to curse Israel, but he was unable to curse them because he couldn't curse what God had blessed. So what did he do? He found a back door. What do I mean by a back door? Well, they were given over to women who worshipped other gods, and it led to what it states here. Eat things sacrificed to idols and committing acts of immorality. This one, I would say, is a no-brainer. 
I mean, to me, this one is a no-brainer. You've got these people inside the church that are, really are, trying to teach people to commit immorality. They really are. What is immorality? Brian, can we at least come to those terms? Well, we have the uh, simple, hold on a minute here, definition uh, to act as the harlot, literally indulge in unlawful lust of either sex or figuratively the practice of idolatry committing fornication. And it goes on to basically pretty much say these same things over and over and over again, essentially to commit fornication or adultery. And, yeah. That's right. It does go this, two and this. two into idolatry as well. So. That's right, because this word is where you get the word porn. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's, that's where you get the word porn from. Pornography. It means harlot. So. Stack on top of it, both these things together. It mentioned idols, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He's building up imagery of what's to come in later chapters. No doubt about it. But he's saying that those who overcome and tolerate the teaching going on, all these things going on in their midst. Takes note that even though it's it's taking place in your midst, he promises you something hidden that they cannot see. Ladies and gentlemen, you didn't catch that? Open rebellion in it. Open rebellion. In this ecclesia, open rebellion. But to the sheep of this church, he says that he's going to give some to you, but not to the rest of the members of your ecclesia. Did you catch that? And he even says that this is the way it's always going to be. This is why he mentions this faithful witness. Ladies and gentlemen, let's think about what he just said. He said this church was where Satan's throne was. Brian, did you catch that? Yep. He comes out to say, ladies and gentlemen, he wants to... Reminds you of the past. He's like, look, this is always going to be this way, even from the days of my faithful witness that was killed among this, this very church. They're going to continue doing this inside the ecclesia 
But as for you, he's saying he's going to make war with the members of, the, uh, of that particular ecclesia that is bad. In the meantime, he's going to give you things in secret that you're not to share with them. going to give you multiple secret things. Take note that the white stone, no one is going to know who it is. He's keeping you hidden in the midst of idols being sacrificed to, immorality, people being killed. Right in the middle of the crusaders. Right in the middle of But he says that he is going to illicitly target only those bad members. So he's not going to destroy this whole body. He's not going to destroy the entire church that this message is addressed to, just the bad members of that body. Now... Take note that this is a step further than the last one we just read about. This is open rebellion, open immorality, open idol worship inside this ecclesia. And he has promised you secret provisions that they're not to know about. Brian, your thoughts on this? It's just amazing how this plays out here. That, well, it's amazing. Brian? Well, there's quite a few different odds and ends. I mean, the one major thing to bring up, pointing out odds and ends happening in the church today is how much has the occult walked right in the door, literally unchecked in certain areas, this is a big thing I've been watching happen nonstop. Now, I've noticed, well, no, we can save that till we get to another portion. But nonetheless, I've noticed the ones that uh, hold to these teachings really begin to take you back to Balaam and Balaam because I've witnessed firsthand that those seem to be the ones that are enthralled by it the most. And to put it nicely, you're lucky if you're going to find maybe three or four men in the entire church in these circumstances. Um, you know, I did up an entire uh, piece just on this sword that is mentioned here at the beginning. Um, and to the angel of the church in Pergamum, right, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword, say this. Now, this sword is very interesting. It's a very specific sword uh, called a romphea. It's a broadsword used um, especially by the Thracians and carried on the right shoulder. Um, in the New Testament, generally a sword, etc., etc. But when you break this down and you go in and look at this uh, sword, it's a long, broad cutlass, a large sword properly, a long Thracian javelin, also a kind of longsword 
uh, won't to be worn on the right shoulder. And it took me a little bit of tracking down this sword because there's only a very limited few that are in existence. And, folks, I'd look into it and look at this sword. It is quite a sight to see. It's interesting that it brings up that it's Thracian too, because to really understand this, you have to dig into the history of the Macedonians, because the Macedonians and the Thracians had a lot of fighting going on back and forth between them. This is obviously also going to bring you into Samothracia, which means a sign of rags, and it's an island of the Aegean Sea, about 38 kilometers from the coast of Thrace off the river Hebras. And let's see here. There's a whole bunch more stuff that goes into this, folks. I look up Thracians and what in the world? Okay, there's a lot more here that I uh, ended up finding. But nonetheless, I would look into that. Also, it's pretty interesting when you look into ancient Pergamon. You know, something of note is this uh, infamous altar, great altar from the Temple of Zeus in Pergamon has been moved to the Berlin Museum in Germany. I find that a little ironic, all considering what happened with Germany during, after World War I and World War II, obviously, it sort of makes you kind of think. On top of it here as well, Temple of Athena was one of the major uh, goddesses within this area. And if you just look at a simple definition for Athena, guess what? Goddess of wisdom, military victory. That kind of starts bringing you back around to those Nicolaitans again. Now that you brought that up, let me talk about this white stone. This historically is a tesserae, ladies and gentlemen. They were given to gladiators upon retirement. Okay? And usually they were initialed with the letters SP. Representative of the Latin word spectacus, which means a man whose valor has been proved beyond doubt. This token uh, given to a gladiator's uh, fame as established. The stone tokens allowed special privileges as benefited of their honored status of being uplifted to citizen status, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Brian have said all of this so that you might know that if you can't see plainly with your own eyes that he's literally telling you that there's going to be many Christians in the military, I don't know how to explain it to you any other way. And if you don't know, if you're not aware of the extent of the satanic church's involvement in the United States military, you don't know anything, ladies and gentlemen. So let's think about that. Isn't this supposed to be one of the honored positions in the church if, if you're a what? Yeah, if you're a vet, you're a veteran. So let's get this straight. Church was to the church leaders second one was to the church poor, and the third one was to military members that are Christians. 
Don't you realize that's why he mentions, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, how do you know of Balaam and Balak? Because they were going to war. Right? They didn't win the war by trickery. They instituted, of course, idol worship. Right? So this has everything to do with war. Then he comes out and mentions the sword. Then he turns around and mentions the white stone, which was, which is a tesseract. I'm not lying to you. They were given to retired gladiators. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what he would do. Who has more honor in a group of people than the veteran? Nobody. He's walked you through this so far logically. He's obviously talking about living and real people that's associated with a certain type of church. A church that was, that is, and is to come. I mean, the further he goes with each church, he's narrowing down who he's talking to. Brian, isn't it natural that you would expect him to do this? If he was going to talk about the first, he would next talk about the last, and then he would talk about the most honored, correct? Yep. Brian, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is flowing naturally. He's targeting specific individuals because those are specifically represented in each ecclesia, each church, always, forever and always, amen. He just, by multiple ways, pointed you to the simple fact he is obviously talking about soldiers in this passage to this particular church. Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't, oh my goodness, there was never no church of gladiators. That never existed. Brian, your closing thoughts. We are obviously going to finish up on the churches on Saturday, but your closing thoughts. We are already into overdrive. Well, I mean, to amplify what you just stated, it blatantly says in here, so you also have some who in the same way hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now, if you noticed in the previous stanzas, you are against the Nicolaitans, where here in broad daylight, you have those that hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. To further amplify what Matthew had brought up concerning the uh, churches of Satan within the military. Okay, folks, I got to see beginning stages of that when I was in the military. It actually had taken quite a hold by that point, but to take this even further. Folks, go out and look into the leader of the Temple of Set, 
His last name is Aquinos. He was in a special forces group in Vietnam, basically a group of assassins. He went on to form the Temple of Set in the military and then went on to become the leader of the PSYOPs program in the United States. This very deeply amplifies the occultism that has come into the church because of the fact that so much of it is rooted within this very group. I've seen it with my own eyes. They're come out of the woodwork like you would not believe around here. And this is no joke. No, Brian. It's certainly no joke. Well, another thing just hit me as well that I forgot. And I brought up about that altar being moved to Berlin. Take note that Aquinos, when he was first doing this, he was spotted walking around in German Nazi SS um, garb with his followers on United States military bases. Well, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, that we did edify you. That's what our intention was. Brian, your contact information and websites, please. You can get a hold of me at the bands of time uh, at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Overt Attention Show, and my website is OvertAttentionShow.com. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Just look up the End Time Tribune. You can catch me there. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email, question, comment, it is Tribune at mail. Dot com. That is not, I repeat, not Gmail. It's just mail. Intimetribune at mail.com. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.